The healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining our office hours. Today's session will be focused on empowering the enterprise with patient access workforce management technology. My name is Jonathan, and I'm a senior solutions engineer here at Infinex. And we are joined today by Navaneeth Nair, our chief product officer. And I'm happy to get right into it. Navaneeth, did you want to introduce yourself, or is my introduction sufficient? <laughs> no, I think I think you introduced. I think I've been on this pro on this format multiple times. So happy to be here and contribute. Awesome. Yeah, familiar faces are great. So first question, why has Infinix decided to provide a workforce management solution? And what are some of the challenges around that? Yeah, so I think over the last five plus years, as we have been kind of working with patient access teams, one of the recurring themes that we have seen with large teams is the fact that the EMR, which is kind of the central, I would say, kind of hub of work currently, really actually does not encompass all the workflows that are necessary, particularly in the patient access space. I mean, it has capabilities to do scheduling or maybe set an appointment or create an order. But when it comes to all the other plethora of activities that a patient access team has to do, it really kind of is limiting, right? So if you really kind of think about what, what has to happen in terms of a life cycle, right? You've got some kind of an order or a patient wants to schedule an appointment. We kind of think about it as, oh, the patient calls, then creates an appointment, should come, shows up and meets the doctor. But really, there is this, the entire patient access function where that scheduling kind of now has to verify the, the actual insurance and eligibility of insurance, see if there is benefit and coverage for the benefits that may be for the services rendered. In, in most cases now, most providers are actually doing um, some kind of an estimate of what out-of-pocket might be at the point of service. Prior authorization plays a big role in that process. Now you think about this entire life cycle, there's limited way to organize this work within within EMR. I mean, many of them provide some what I call basic workflow capabilities like a work list, but even those uh, become very cumbersome as the team sizes grow. I've seen many teams actually organize work in, in fashions that actually sound very antiquated. I've met teams that say, oh, I have this four people working A through F patient first name or last name. Now, I don't know whether that is the most optimum way of working. What if A through F people had 10 different insurers or 15 different insurers that you need to reach out to? Every time you need to reach out to an insurer, you actually need to know their portal. You need to know the, the, the benefit and eligibility structures. So it may not be the most effective way. So when we kind of looked at this process, we realized that there are a lot of inefficiencies within just how work is organized within the EMR for patient access in general. Now, couple that with things that really actually don't happen within the patient access space. Um, documents are coming inbound uh, to most providers, whether they are referrals or whether they are clinical documents from the PCP or others. Many of them are coming in inbound, not electronically. Now, if you are fully integrated with the provider and the hospital systems, then you can get it electronically. But in many cases, if it's an external referral of some kind, getting it via fax, 
or some other mechanism, they, somebody has to evaluate that, organize that, cue that into creating an order or attach it to a patient record. These are other, I would say, activities that also don't fit very nicely within kind of the life cycle within an EMR for patient access. So when we looked at all of these, we said, as we were organizing work, we realized that we can't organize it unless we had a workforce capability, right? So that was kind of, that was the initial, I would say, kind of driver starting with the workforce capability. The other big area where, where it became challenging to actually offer capability within the, the current EMR, EMR or the, the surrounding systems within EMR was the fact that they don't integrate well with automation. So the the as you can think about where we are headed, we are headed into what I call a man-machine mixed mode, right? What I, that's, I call it a man-machine mixed mode where certain workloads are being done by automation, certain workloads are being done by humans, but they're not clear separations between that, right? I'll give you an example of our authorization. When you actually get a prior request, you can use a machine to determine if auth is required or not. Now, once the machine determines an auth is required, you may need to initiate the authorization yourself. Because in many cases, initiating the authorization also includes having clinical expertise. So you want to be able to have like patient access member be able to initiate the authorization. But once you initiate the authorization, you may have follow-up being done by automation in some shape or form to see if the auth is completed by the payer or not. Now, think about this life cycle. You have machine-to-man-to-machine -to -to -machine kind of orchestration happening. And, and the current structures within EMR and current kind of practice management systems that are being used don't really integrate well with this. So how do most providers kind of solve for this? Even if they build automation, what they have to do is they have to actually step out of the system, trigger some automation, get the get the input into the automation. In many cases, they have to extract files out of the EMR in some Excel sheet, run it again as the automation, get the output, and then manually key it in. And then what it does, it completely dilutes the value proposition of the automation because then the team members are saying, wait a minute, I'm doing more work keying in from this system to the other. I would have just as well gone to the pair portal and gotten the result. Right, so th those are, I would say, kind of big things uh, that kind of led us to say, if you want to be able to offer workforce management as a capability, it needs to solve for some of these big things, right? It needs to be able to solve for the fact that big teams have to be better organized and coordinated. Automation can be seamlessly woven into it. The third big area was actually just essentially understanding productivity and being able to actually real-time adjust for workloads to, to some degree, right? Because when you think about static work lists and where work, if somebody is on, on a PTO, now how do you deal with their work, right? Does the system know how to kind of, and most systems currently don't kind of deal with these problems very well, right? So work allocation and management was challenging within the processes, weaving in the automation was challenged. As we looked at this, um, we tried really hard to figure out if there is a way to kind of, work within the EMR structure, and then eventually came to the conclusion for patient access in particular, given the, the number of steps and the workflow processes that involve, it's better to have its own standalone workforce capability. Yeah, I can also attest for, attest for that as an EMR support specialist in my previous venture. There's a lot of desperate or disparate systems and various EMRs, and all of them have some kind of limitation. Uh, yeah, most of them, yeah, most of them are not built for actual work 
force management, right? They offer some rudimentary, what I call workflow capabilities. But again, we have to understand the genesis of EMRs. Right? They were primarily to ensure compliance and, and as such, they are good books of records for ensuring that that life cycle within the healthcare system is captured. Uh, but but just managing the, the workforce itself is more challenging with those systems. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I look at them akin to ERP systems in the, the manufacturing world. They're, they're good at like the capturing the entire manufacturing process. But if you want to optimize work, you, you need ancillary systems that work well with the Agreed. Yeah. How, how would you say that helps organizations optimize labor cost and budgeting now that they have a workforce solution to manage the assignment of cases and, you know, the divvying of responsibilities? Yeah, I think the big the big thing to big thing is what I call what I what I look at it as transparency, because or the 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 underlying challenge I've talked to many of the leaders is kind of understanding what is the actual true throughput of your team, right? Because the teams and I've met enough leaders were like we don't have enough people. We're looking for another. We've been looking for five people. The question is like, are you fully optimized on the people you have, right? So. And that visibility and analytics is missing. So I that that immediately kind of helps with understanding what you're spending, what is your unit cost per patient, and whether that is the most optimized with respect to it. Right? That's kind of the first thing. The second thing is work allocation, right? Work allocation is a critical component of optimization. So in the solutions we have built, we have actually built for automated uh, algorithm-based work allocations. So where you can actually allocate work uh, without having a human having to move work around, right? It can it can be allocated kind of round robin, or it can be allocated based on fixed inventory, which means the person actually has the same amount of work as all his peers. So you're not kind of overloading one person and giving less to the other person. But but that's only the start. In our roadmap, we have the we're building ability to in, in kind of integrate AI and machine learning into the process, where we can actually learn from your work patterns and what makes you produce the most throughput and give you more of it. Right. So if you're really, as an example, if you're really good at getting prior authorizations from Cigna and you you and we see we see you be able to do that on a constant basis then we should give you more signal cases so which makes you more more effective so those are things that you can actually do from an optimization perspective the third big thing from a work kind of cost management is the ability to integrate i would say and orchestrate automation seamlessly right so if you can actually understand workloads that really don't need uh, the human to act because they are what i call redundant repetitive dumb tasks you today have them in the workflow because you have them in the workflow, a person has to do it. But if you can actually kind of orchestrate work automation into the workflow, then you can offload those tasks for automation. So that's another way to actually, I would say, to think about how you can actually take some of the work away from the existing teams, actually. Yeah, I think a huge value proposition with any technical solution towards healthcare is the reduction of manual redundant tasks. Um, uh, allowing for uh, a mapping system that um, copies a task day in and day out where the human, uh, particularly a nurse or a doctor, has more time for the patient care and to be in front of the patient. Because even me as a patient, sometimes I feel like my doctors or my admins are in two different places because they have they have tasks to do even while I'm being cared for. Um, I'm curious on your opinion on uh, how a solution like this impacts 
um, the end result of better patient care and patient experience. Yeah, I think if we can organize the work at the patient access level, that actually directly impacts the patient experience. So if you kind of really think about the front office life cycle, right? I mean, a patient is calling in, let's kind of say Dr. Smith has sent him a referral for a CT or an MR, and the patient is immediately, I mean, he's already worried, right? The doctor is specified an expensive test. I need to get this test. And maybe there is more recommendations or diagnosis depending on what the test results look like, right? So the patient is immediately anxious to get the test scheduled. Now, on if you think about that from a patient access team member's perspective, as soon as this order is coming in, in many cases, the order is not even coming. The patient is calling and saying, hey, I was told by Dr. Smith to schedule a CT or MR with you and how soon can I get a date, right? Now, you don't have any information available to you. You don't know where work gets organized. How do you kind of set this up? So if that order can come into some kind of a structured form, something that can run automated kind of eligibility checks on it, find benefits for you, and, and then kind of put that into what I call a financial clearance workflow. So if you can start the financial clearance workflow in parallel to the patient access workflow, where we are trying to find an appointment and find a date and a time with the patient, right? We, we can kind of allow for these capabilities to happen in parallel, then you can organize work in a way that allows for a patient to get scheduled as quickly as possible. In many cases, uh, what these breakdowns and tasks lead to is either a financial impact or an experience impact, right? Financial impact in the sense that the patient gets just scheduled, right? Some, some front office teams say, okay, I believe five days out, we'll get you this appointment and well, you can come see it. Now, guess what? Five days out, if the workflow was not coordinated well with the patient access back office teams in terms of prior authorization, now you essentially don't have a prior auth by the time the patient is supposed to come in and you have to be, call the patient and say, hey, sorry to reschedule it. Or in many cases, the patient comes, service is rendered, and then you get a denial on the service that was rendered because you didn't get prior auth. So in both cases, it impacts the patient experience. So what we see in many cases is that the lack of an effective workforce organization and workflow capability leads to work getting lost in the pipe in some shape or form, right? And when it does get picked up, you're already behind or you're not meeting. Right? We work with some customers who are constantly getting concerns from their ordinary physicians that the test that was ordered or the study that was ordered wasn't done on time. And then we continue to keep rescheduling, right? And at that point, the patient is highly dissatisfied with the service being offered. So it's I, I think it's very important for these processes to kind of support the patient access. And if we can kind of actually work in sequence, orchestrate it well, then the net effect in most scenarios is that you actually have the patient have a great experience because they call in, they know in a defined time frame that the that, that a given appointment is scheduled, they will be able to come in and see. They don't have to worry about the financial aspect of it because they know exactly what their out-of-pocket looks like by the time they walk in and they feel comfortable paying for their out-of-pocket. Right? So it's a much better experience, both financially and clinically from a patient perspective, if you go down this path. Yeah, great response. I, I think that's highly accurate, even putting myself in a patient's shoes. So additionally with that, so we have the patient, we have the tech, we have the workforce. I'm I'm curious the 
impact on employee engagement and also satisfaction with this management solution. You briefly spoke on, you know, if someone's out of office, for example, there's a way to reassign those cases and balance that workload. How do you think it'll impact the engagement and satisfaction overall? I think it has a very significant positive impact in in my mind, primarily because I I think that there is always what I call a challenge in fair and equitable kind of work allocation, right? We see this with many of our customers that we work with. The, the number one concern that comes up is cherry picking, right? You have this single work list people have, and people are smart. They, they know what things, and, and you know, they, and everybody is driven by incentives, right? So if your incentive is to complete 10 of these in a day or 20 of this in a day, you're trying to find the 20 that you can actually complete. So it kind of leads to this whole notion of cherry picking where somebody's saying, okay, I think this is going to go fast, so let me just do this, which means somebody else is holding the bag for the ones that are more complicated, leading to kind of dissatisfaction, right? And now as a manager, how do I kind of manage it? It's a very difficult problem to actually manage because how do I know which ones are easier or more difficult, right? And if I'm not equitable in kind of the like in, in kind of allocation becomes a challenge. So I think the equitability becomes a very critical component of it. The second thing is knowing what work is assigned to you and if we can organize that work to be more, I would say, aligned to your competencies actually has a big impact, right? So if we can align work to your competency, then you essentially know that you are more satisfied because you... We all derive derive satisfaction from kind of generating outcomes and um, patient access team members are no different. They they want their patients to be scheduled on time. They want to make sure that the work um, that they are assigned to is completed so that that patient can walk in on time. So given that if the work work competency can be mapped to the allocation scheme uh, is the other thing that these solutions can help you with is that allows you to now have more, more of a, work satisfaction with it. The third is uh, essentially from a ba- from a management perspective, kind of work balancing and identifying areas of gap become a big issue, a big, big thing, right? So when you think about it today, if, if, if you just have five people and you get more work, you don't know how to allocate. Do you need a sixth person? And when do you need a sixth person? So so these 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 questions don't get answered unless somebody kind of extracts the data, crunches it, and reactively then is kind of now starting to run around looking for the six person because the volume loads are increased. Now, are these loads consistently going to be high or is this a seasonal hike where you can actually get some kind of a resource to do it? So that that is the other thing that essentially becomes a challenge for, I would say, operational leaders. So this is another, another way it helps. And then particularly with our solution, the other big thing is that we also have resources who can supplement existing team members with respect to doing work. So from a workforce management perspective, the other thing, other big value we we can bring in addition to kind of just having the technical capability is that the expertise to do it. So the one big thing we want to offer our customers is the ability to kind of say, hey, you have more work. You don't have, you need the sixth person. The sixth person may be pinch hitting for a short period of time and you don't need them in the long term. But how do you how do you kind of get get somebody from Infinix to help you with that, right? So that's the other thing that I can see is in terms of that flexibility. Or if a person goes on maternity or goes has to go on PTO because of a health condition, are you scrambling now? How do you know how much work is allocated to them? I would say these are all areas that impact both. I would say 
kind of the the management level kind of work satisfaction and how they organize work and kind of at the employee level right so the more the more we think about this it it, it it's important for kind of capabilities to be able to kind of solve for these yeah and i have over a decade of experience as a tech healthcare person and sales and tech support and network implementation and consistently across the board this is why i was smiling a lot during the response I did feel like, you know, I, I'm going above and beyond a lot of times and the the work is not evenly allocated. And even if I brought it to my supervisor's attention, that was the issue. How? how? Like, yeah, how do we, you know, if a yeah. call takes 45 minutes, it takes 45 minutes. You know, how do we properly allocate? So there are other elements, right? So that the, the equitable allocation is kind of one element to it. The other big element is communication between teams. That's the other big thing I see is that if you are if you're large teams, if you are organized by functions, work handoff and communication becomes a challenge, right? Did the work handoff accurately? Did I pick it up in, from one one process to the other, right? Let's assume you have a team that's only focused on doing front-end financial clearance of eligibility and just checking benefits, and then you have somebody else doing prior authorization. Do they? Do we know that eligibility was done with before prior authorization was initiated? We have seen many scenarios where there is a disconnect between the two teams, and we don't lead to kind of in, in, incorrect results. Right? You get an authorization, but the person did not have covered benefits, so now it doesn't matter whether you had authorization or not. So these are other. I mean, communication is another area where I think if if we don't, if the teams are not coordinated, a solution like this works because it seamlessly transfers work between work queues. Right? You do work in A and work you want, and as soon as it's done, you don't have to think about it. It automatically moves to the second person and work you B, and then you actually don't have to deal with the, I would say, how do I make sure the other person has picked up the work, the baton is handed over, right? So that's the that's the other big thing. And and last but not least, I, I think, and we've, we should not minimize this, I think there's always this concern about automation, and I wanna kind of debunk this myth a little bit here, Sometimes there is concern that, hey, is automation going to take away my work, right? And in 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 all honesty, I, I think uh, we realize the complexity of what we do here in kind of patient access and revenue cycle is, is not something that can be completely replaced by machines, but they can help you. So with respect to, again, uh, think about the what I call better competency of work. Am I doing a whole bunch of work that's just like grunt? And I feel like, oh, I have to do this because I'm being assigned a work that, that's just grunt. So now if you can actually orchestrate the machines to work in parallel with you, you feel a better sense of accomplishment or applying your skills from a work perspective because your day is spent mostly doing what I call thoughtful domain expertise work rather than grunt work. And you let the machines do that, and and a workforce work for solution, what it does, is allows you to orchestrate them together. Right. So, so now I can work in parallel, which means I feel comfortable knowing that I don't have to do these ten grunt things that I used to do in the past. The machine is going to take care of it while I can focus on really kind of the the patient experience and getting the patient the right care. Yeah, I can definitely attest to grunt work, and sometimes it's a necessary evil, but. I, I agree. That's my rebuttal for, well, AI is going to take our jobs. It's already taken jobs in the market. I mean, AI can't create a legal document. AI can't be a doctor. AI can't be a clinical specialist. It's it's a, It gives you, it's a sidekick, I like to call it. it you know, it helps you along with uh, doing your responsibility. So I think that's a great response. 
I think we have time for uh, maybe one question. I know that with Infinex's solutions, we're always growing, we're always changing as a market changes, as technology changes. Um, it is very exciting to think about uh, the capability of team collaboration, both internally and externally. And I, I'm curious on your opinion on why why this solution is, you know, what's what's the value of this solution versus any other solution that may come along? Again, I think the way I think about this is that there, there are a lot of people thinking about the problem like we are thinking about the problem. I, I think what, what we have is, as an advantage as Infinex is that we, we have we have a team of 5,000 people who actually do this work day in and day out. So we, we, have, we have the strength of our own team giving us feedback into what essentially improves their lives. So we get, we, we get to learn firsthand the, the challenges that patient access team members feel because of the extensive. That also allows us to kind of create uh, new and innovative solutions that we can talk good with our own teams, right? So we are not, we're not running some experiment. We've, we've kind of learned the problem statements. We are able to kind of talk good it ourselves, like kind of refine it before 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 our our customers and 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 members from our teams kind of see it so so as such that gives us an edge compared to others out in there i'm i'm saying there is a lot of other people who are thinking about the problems we just we just have the ability to kind of think about them with a bigger team yeah i think that's great well that's all the questions i have i appreciate you taking the time navneet it's always great to hear from you i think every time I chat with you. There's about five or five to seven nuggets that I pull. I'm like, oh, that was well said. So kudos to you. <laughs> no, thank thank you for hosting and and your questions, Jonathan. Again, I think it's a very relevant topic and it's a very relevant time with respect to thinking about the problem statement. So it's important for us to kind of talk 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 about what what's affecting kind of the broader community and in the in the current age where we where most of our provider partners are having a tough time finding newer resources, it's important to uh, deploy capabilities that actually will make life easier for the ones you have and attract more ones, right? So that's how we think about it. I think about these as capabilities that are what I call force multipliers that allow both in talent acquisition and retention, which is currently a tough, tough, it's a tough job for any team out, out in healthcare. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, there's another tidbit. I think that adds to the eighth one. But <laughs> appreciate your time, Devin. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and spending some time with us. Everyone have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.